There's got to be at least one family that does have an OnlyFans, though. We could agree on that, right? Yes, indeed. It's yes, like indeed. the it's I'm like the sure. law of probability. Yeah, if sure. we've thought about it, somebody's doing it. But with that, <laughs> welcome to the Power of Peace <laughs> podcast. Uh, today we got Quez, uh, part of our team, and uh, happy you're here, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. Man. Um, yeah, so I mean, shoot, we could just talk about whatever, but I thought it would be fun, especially since my dad's not here, to poke a little fun at him. And uh, I want to get your perspective on the program that you went through at Eastman. So Eastman is a youth detention center, is I guess what yeah, they would call it. That's correct. Um, but you were part, you were there when my dad came and started the program. And what's really cool is, you know, you're out, you're back living your life, and we don't have many testimonials of people that have gone through the program. We just yeah. hear how it went from my yeah. dad, you know, and you yeah. you can't always trust. Well, it was great. They all yeah. loved it. It's like. Different perspective. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I want to start. Um, you're in your dorm. You're living your life, chilling, you know, trying to make things shape, protect yourself. And then one day, some tall, lanky, tatted up white dude yeah, <laughs> walks in. So kind of walk me through what that was like. All right, so when Kent, when Kent first got there, I think I was there for like a week. Or it was my second week. So I'm the new guy. And then they were saying something about going to group, but nobody really wanted to go to group. Yeah. So they was like, um, Mr. Cummings is coming down. Um, man, we don't want to go to that. So everybody <laughs> yeah. just watching TV, playing the game, just chilling on the door. Yeah. So I was like, um, I think I was behind the door. It wasn't time for me to come out yet. Cause you know, they had where well, you gotta be behind the door and when you come out, yeah. cause the COVID thing. So I was like, I'm just going to go to group because that's the way I'm going to be able to get out of exactly. the room. So by the time that hour is up, I'm going to be able to come back to the dorm and play the game. Yep. So I go, I go. So at first, as, as Kent get to talking, I'm like, he ain't talking about nothing. <laughs> he ain't talking about nothing. I ain't really hearing nothing that he's saying yeah, because right. I ain't really know what he went through, like what, his, what sure. is his motive because different people have different motives. Absolutely. So as time go on, you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt because I feel like everybody need the benefit of the doubt. So I'm sitting back like this right here. <laughs> I'm looking at Kent. Just I'm just studying. watching him. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just studying everything you do, everything you say. I'm, I'm, I'm just on him. I'm just on him. <laughs> Kent just right here. He got, he got Mr. Roots. He talking. <laughs> he's going at it. He, he's just talking. Yeah. But for a couple weeks, for about a month, I'm really not listening to nothing he's saying. I'm just yeah, looking just like right through him whole time just sitting like this so one day he started talking he went to saying something about he got trauma too i remember hearing that because i'm just looking at him i'm really zoned out but i just look right through him yeah so when he said that you know that clicked to my mind trauma so now i want to know what he's talking yeah, exactly. about what he's like, got going what's his on trauma like, yeah, yeah what is trauma like so he was just telling me like that he had lost everything like so when he said that, it started to catch my attention because like his body language, his body language tell a lot. Like yeah. if people slouching over, it means like they're not feeling good, they're sad. If people is up and open, like they have their arms open like this, that means they're in a good mood. So I'm just studying his body language. But as he's talking, you know, Kent always talks yeah. like this. Yeah. But when he so got to talking, he was talking like this. 
So I'm like, okay, he's telling the truth. Yeah. You can know somebody lying and telling <laughs> the truth. So he was just saying how um he had got in a car accident, he lost everything, he had lost himself. Mm -hmm. Um, he was trying to get back on track, he didn't know what to do, and if God just gave him another chance, what he was gonna do with it. Yeah. So as he get to elaborate and tell into detail like what happened, how we grew up, and things of that nature, I was like, Okay, I, I can relate, like Everybody went through something, but his perspective of life and my perspective of life is different. But yeah. his trauma is just about or as worse as my trauma if I was in his shoes exactly. or grew up how he it's did. It's not better or worse. You get what it's I'm saying? Different. Yeah. So then I, g I gave him a couple cool points. You know, I, 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 gave, I gave, <laughs> you took I, Yeah, I, I gave him a couple cool points. I'm like, okay, he can't, he can't be that bad. He went through something. He lost something. A man who loses everything and still comes back yeah, and still fights. Yeah, like that. That's that. That's that's a man that you need to get to know. Cause yeah. how did he do that? Like he lost everything two times. Totally everything. Yeah, and I I like that you said that you weren't really listening until he opened up and got vulnerable. Yeah, right. Cause I feel like I've been through programs, um, you know, different programs, but I know a lot of these things where like churches will go do like mission work, mm -hmm. right? And you'll get some random dude that's like, let me tell you how God can save your life. And, you know, it's yeah. all just like, I'm not bashing anybody, you know. If you're working hard at something and you're, and you're spreading positivity, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's a surface levelness of it. When you're, when you're preaching from the Bible or experiences that you didn't go through, right, it's not going to hit as effectively. It's like, as soon as you open up, and share things, share vulnerable things, especially about failure and hardships and, and tough times. It's so relatable because you're shedding that wall of, I'm not being fake right now. You know, this is not a facade. This is yeah, me really showing real you who I am. And it's, we were talking about it yesterday, me and my pops is, People think that when they share their failures and their insecurities, that other people will have a negative perception of them or look at them like they're lesser than. And it's the complete opposite. It's like, as soon as you share your traumas and your hardships with me, 90 times, 90% 90 of the time, I have more respect for you. You know what I mean? Because now yeah. you're a real person to me. You're not just... Yeah, because I can understand and emphasize where you're coming from. Cause you don't know that person really, but once you get to understand that person and just know them, then it's different. Then we could take it to another level. But if I don't really know you, I don't know what's your motive. I don't know why you're doing it. I don't like. I don't know you at all. I ain't really gonna feel comfortable. And a lot of people can fake it. So I had to, absolutely. You gotta you gotta see who faking it and who ain't faking it. But time will tell. Cause the only person could fake it for so long. <laughs> so I had to make patient. sure he wasn't faking. <laughs> Yeah, so, all right, so you gave us some cool points. Obviously, the program keeps going. Mm -hmm. So what kind of happened, you know, how were you peeping him after get, getting some cool points and, and going into the program? Okay, so after I gave him the cool points, I really started listening to what he was saying. But I really didn't understand what he was saying because, see, majority of the people, I'm going to say as a whole, as the unit, you know, as the facility, Kent came in trying to give, yeah, but it didn't make sense because he'll bring stuff and try to give it to us and fight and do all that stuff to try to get us to things 
that we had um yeah, I ain't gonna wanted. say wanted, we really needed, yeah. but the gang system and stuff like that, we didn't have those. So um we had needed those on the unit. We used to have to go down and play and things of that nature. So he was trying to give us some extra privileges. Mm -hmm. But it's like, why would he come in here just why? to give us privileges? Why is he doing that? That that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But as time went on and I start looking at real life and I'm gonna say prison life and start bringing it together. He was giving us something so we can give him something. Yeah. So he'll teach us how to earn a game, like how to, how to go go about things to be able to get what you want. Like you gotta be consistent, you know, mm -hmm. courage, like things yeah. of that nature, like it helps build your character and stuff like that and be able to help you get the things that you may want or the things you gotta achieve. That's the same thing in life. When we get mad, we can't be breaking game system and breaking TVs and think we're going to get what we want. It doesn't work like that. But it's the same thing as real life. But I don't think people really understood the, the severity or or what he was really trying to say or what he was really trying to do. Yeah. We end up earning a game system and we and we appreciate it more because we earn it to it instead of, instead yeah. of it being instead given. Of just, yeah, yeah, for nothing. So, after I started seeing like what was his motive and I seen that it was pure and and what he was trying to get the young brothers to understand, I started to take liking into him now. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, I want to get closer to you. So after that, you know, he started bringing his books. I started reading his books mm -hmm. and I just started watching him and see like, do, do he walk the walk that he say he walked? Absolutely. So, you know, I get on the phone. I get people to look him up on social media, yeah. go down, <laughs> um, read, read what he research. say, check out his pictures. I, I got to yeah. check him out to make sure he he, who, he is who he say he is. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up coming back and getting Eastman name tatted on him because it was part of his story. Yeah. So then I knew, like, this man here is crazy, yeah. but he's real. <laughs> he's real. Fact. He's um, real. Yeah, no, I love that you said that. It, it's funny to hear your perspective of that because, you know, it's my dad and we yeah. talk all the time. So, like, you know, sometimes he tell me things and I'm like, LOL, like, you crazy, bro. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, true, but true. I just like, it yeah. just kind of go over my head. But he always talks about his sleeve and how um, impactful it is to get permanent ink on his body for other people just to show respect mm -hmm. and like you said like that he's walking the walk you know i care about this so much i got the tat and he always tells me he's like the like street cred and the just relation like subconscious relationship building that i get from showing those dudes that is always yeah like way more than you're even expecting and for someone that's you know out here not you know in the living behind doors i can't really relate to that you know but to hear someone be like no nah, when i saw it like that was that was something that was impactful to me it's like pretty cool but i also think <clears throat> it's so important man like like you said the lessons that this program is teaching you and how it relates to to real life um you know sweat equity is so huge and that, mm -hmm. like you said, like just giving without expecting something in return. It's so foreign that we're not really, we're not expecting it. Not you know, like, e like even in business, when some dude is trying to help you and he's making connections for you and yeah, he's hooking you up with jobs. It sounds too good job, to be true. Exactly. But then you start to realize that like, 
that is the pathway to success and life is a lot of times you have to give more than you're getting back. And that's the way that you establish connections or, um, you know, open doors to opportunities that you didn't have before. It's because you showed them the type of hustle and mentality that you have. Listen, I'm willing to put in six months of shit that I don't want to do just so you know that I'm about it. And then boom, like, you know, you receive yeah. something that you weren't expecting. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. So, um, all right. So obviously you, you know, you see, you did your research. <laughs> you, you seeing him for him now, not like transparency. Um, and then to my understanding, you know, it kind of changed like the trajectory of what you wanted to do, especially like getting out. Um, so talk about that a little bit. Okay. So after that, I'm checking them out again. But as week by week go, I'm still studying them and really understanding the words that he's saying. So he'll say words that I really don't understand. I go back to the unit and look it up in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. And then I understand, I really understand what he's saying. Like the quality of the word that he's saying and the word play that he puts it in, it, it was opening up my eyes. So then it's like, man, I don't want to go back to the man I used to be. So maybe I need to get with Kent. And maybe it can open up some doors and opportunities for me because he's already on a like He's already on, yeah. on that on that track, and he already went through not what I went through, but he went yeah. through stuff as a man. But the reason I wanted to follow him and go where he's going is because he lost everything. Like every other man, every other man loses everything. Yeah. Every other man comes to a point where he loses everything. And he ain't got he ain't got nothing like and. He came up from that, so I felt like I lost everything and I ain't have nothing to really live for. So it's like, what what gave him that drive? Yeah. So maybe if I get closer to him and see what drove him, maybe it can install into me because I'm hanging around him. So whoever yeah. I hang around is gonna rub off on me. So Absolutely. maybe I have some Kent in me if yeah. I just try to follow his footsteps or you know open up my opportunities and doors. Yeah, and I mean I think that's so inspiring because. <clears throat> you know, like you said, everybody's going to get to a place where they lose everything. And like the gravity of that can can differ, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, it, it, like things that are important to you, like when you crash and burn, there's two routes. And one route is to give up and lose hope and just <laughs> go live like a zombie, right? Like disassociate, like, oh, I lost, I, I lost, game over, right? The other route, which I feel like, you know, a lot of people end up taking. You might go down the I don't give a F route for a while, but eventually you're going to accept it and realize like, all right, I'm going to have to do something with my life. You know, how do, how do I do that? Um, and I think that was something so big for me is like having a support system or just people in your life that do inspire you, that you can relate to that deal with worse problems than you, right? So, you know, I went through a period of my life where I was at rock bottom. I was dealing with mental health issues. I had lost my girl. I had lost all my friends. I lost all my money. You know, it was, 
the first time in my life that I was going through growing pains, mm -hmm. you know, where I was at that, that fork in the road. What do I yeah. do here? I don't know what you're going to do when it get hard. You know what I mean? That the first little taste of what being an actual man is, is a, here's some BS that you're going to have to figure out. How are you going to deal with it? Right. And for me, it's like, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of people in my life that I really looked up to and people that, you know, have been combat veterans that went to, you know, four tours in Afghanistan and lost a bunch of friends and they deal with PTSD mm -hmm. and, you know, real life problems that I've never experienced, but they overcome those obstacles every day, right? And so when you have people like that, it could be, you know, anything, I'm just picking an example. But I looked at those people and then I thought about my own life and I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it too. My problems are less than them. You know, they would trade their problems for my problems any day. And so you see, as a man, you see people like that and you're like, either I can use this to inspire me or I can use it to make me feel weaker. I think that's what a lot of people do is uh, it almost rises their insecurities because they're like, wow, he dealt with so much worse stuff and he's doing better than me. You know, wow, I'm a loser. Right. Right? So It all depends on how they look at it and how they come back from that situation. Literally. And I think, you know, I got a lot of respect for you, man, just because you've been in places and the universe gave you things that could be beneficial and you took the time to take that route. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we just talked about giving when you're not getting anything in return. You got out, you already hitting up yeah. my pops. Like, how do I help? How can I come, you know, Change just, the world. just give back, you know, fix things, right? I'm working on me, but I'm trying to work on the, on the world, you know, and um, I admire that, man. So Thanks, man. I think that, you know, you're a really good role model for like, everybody's going to go through horrible things. You can't avoid that. That's life. Stop it. But as a man, we have to decide how we're going to pivot. Right? And I think, like, I've said it way too many times. People probably get annoyed at me for saying it, but it's like, you got to try, man. That's the first step. I'm committing to trying. I'm committing to doing the hard work. And if I don't do the hard work, it's not going to work. You know? I'm going to have to do the things that I don't want to do to make my life better. You know, yeah, you got to be, um, sometimes you're going to have to be um, in uncomfortable situations to become um, comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like exposure therapy, yeah. you know. Stuff it's, like that. It's funny because, like, that's what they say, like, for people with anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've listened to podcasts. You know, I've even talked to my therapist about this. Um Fortunately, I don't talk to this dude as much anymore, but when I did, um, you know, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and the only thing that he was telling me was like, avoiding the anxiety, the things that you're anxious about is only going to prolong the anxiety. So like, if you're scared and anxious to be in public per mm -hmm. se, or like, let's say go to the grocery store. There's a lot of people that like, are too scared to go to the grocery. It's too overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> the solution to that is to go to the grocery store 
as many times as you can until you're comfortable with it. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's like when you be scared or you got fear in your heart, it's like that fear is going to follow you and hunt you because it's no you scared of it. So even if you're scared, you got to act like you're not scared. So eventually you won't be scared. <laughs> for, real, for real. You got to attack the fear yeah. or else it's going to attack you. You know what I mean? So let's talk about like, I don't know. I want to talk about temptations and we can remain vague, but you know, in your scenario, you get out and um, you go back home and there's a lot of connections that, you know, you have a past with people that are, you know, I go into my hometown, I run into these mm -hmm. same people that, you know, are not the best people. Right. And there's a lot of temptations that come with like peer pressure and who you're hanging out with. So I want to get your perspective and advice on, you know, how do you stay in your own lane and how do you avoid these pressures? Um, and I like to call them demons, you know, this negative energy in the universe that will always exist that is out to get you. Yeah. You know, how do you, uh, how do you stay true to yourself and, and stay on the path of success? Well, when it come down to it, it's all about decisions and choices. So, Every decision that you make is a consequence. Either it's a good, either it's a good consequence or a bad consequence. So anything that you do, um, just don't do nothing that you're not prepared to face the consequence for. Yeah. So with that being said, you got to be militant-minded, which doing that, you have to be disciplined and you have to stay productive. I feel like as a man, if you don't stay productive, it's like we cannot, we cannot, what's it called? We cannot accept our own instincts. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Existence, I mean. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I yeah, totally so, feel that. Because, yeah. like, if you're not working for something, yeah. in my opinion, you're declining. Yeah, if we're you're not growing. What to do. We're going we're gonna to go crazy. Facts. Like, it's in our nature. So, just being productive, like, going to the gym, I make sure I go to the gym, stay focused on the gym, read a book, you know what I'm saying? Like, people that you care about, you got a grandma, children, mm -hmm. um, wife, or things of that nature, spend more time with them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just staying productive, doing things that is just going to catch your attention or that you like Thanks. to do. If you do that, then everything else, and you have to make these things a priority. Yeah. It's all about making a schedule. Once you make a schedule, you stick with your schedule. Once you make a schedule and you continue to do it, then it becomes a habit. Yeah. So then you don't think about it like, if, if, if you got to go somewhere, if you know you got to go to Chicago to do a show, you ain't stopping that for nothing else. You got to get on that you plane. Yeah, yeah, you got to get on that plane because that's already your plan. So if you're going to make your plan and execute your plan, then anything else that's not being productive or, or that's on your list, then you can't, you can't entertain it or anything of that I nature. couldn't agree more, man. I mean, they say that, like, boredom kills, yeah. right? Do. I don't think I would have. Well, here's here's a funny example of it. Yeah. It's like uh, from shoot, I probably I started playing sport. I mean, I started playing sports when I was like three years old. I was doing karate and taekwondo and like mm -hmm. going to competitions. Yeah, you know. So I've been competing since a three year old. Okay, okay. But okay. you know, I grew up. I picked basketball as my route, um, and I played basketball up until sophomore year of high school. But what happened was is, you know, I got down on myself. I'm not the tallest, most athletic yeah, dude. Yeah. 
you know, and I'm like, I'm not about to go to college for basketball. Like, yeah. what, why do I waste all my time doing you know? this if I'm not even going to yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. like, I go to practice three times a day. Like, I'm tired every day. I don't be hanging out with girls. You yeah. know, I'm just playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped playing basketball. And as soon as I stopped, this boredom came over me. All of a sudden, I had all this free time to do yeah. whatever I wanted. And you know what I did? I started smoking weed. And that's why. Because I was bored. Because I wasn't being productive. I wasn't filling my schedule with things that I like to do. I was just hanging out. So all it took was one dude to be like, we could smoke some weed. And I'm like, yeah. hmm, hmm, that You're might be productive. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's just like such an easy example for me. I guess you talked about discipline and I think that's one thing that's changed my life is no one's going to teach you to be disciplined other than yourself. You're right. You know, like if you lie to yourself all the time, you know, you know right? Because you might not be telling other people that like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym. You don't tell nobody about that. But then your alarm clock goes off at 530, snooze it. And you wake up at, let's say, 8.30, you already feel like a piece of shit. Because <laughs> yeah, you right. lied to yourself. Yeah, you failed you yourself. Over. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate now. I can relate to that now. You know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's what... So Conor McGregor, I saw this video. He was talking about that. He was like, it's so important to set a schedule because you can collect W's on yourself. And what he means by that is like, I wake up at a certain time. I go to sleep at a certain time, I eat at a certain time, I work out at a certain time, and I do all those things to rack up these W's. Because every time I do it, I said I was gonna do it, and I did it. Yeah. And that starts small. You know, that's like that yeah. book, like- It make, starts disciplined though. It does, bro. It does. So like, when did you start trying to be disciplined? Hmm. That's a good question. I got him, man. I got the good ones. <laughs> hmm. Well, really, okay, I was incarcerated. And then I started to be institutionalized because really I was always disciplined, but I'm going to say like able to fight temptation and things of that yeah. nature when, because like when you went, where like when you're incarcerated, like you have a schedule, you got a time that you wake up, you got a time that you go to sleep and all those things. Yeah. So it came a time where I told my mom, I was like, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done making poor decisions. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying I'm not going to slip up or anything, but I'm really going to try everything in me to do better. You know what I'm saying? Because I kept seeing like where my close friends was going and what yeah. was happening to them. So I said, at some point I have to change. At some point I got to do, I got to do something different. Exactly. So I'm just going to give 110%. If it don't work, then hey, it is what it is. But yeah, I'm going to try. So with the discipline thing, like we had a schedule, but I never used to follow the schedule. When it's time to eat, I don't eat at that time. When it's time to go to the gym, I don't go to the gym at that time. I do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And however the consequences, however long yeah. I stay behind Same. the door, that's what happened. So when I came off lockdown, I was on lockdown for like 30 days, like a month. Dang. So well, I came out for an hour because you know you got to get recreation but, yeah. and get on the phone, take a shower. That's it. And then you go back to the room. So as the schedule came, came, 
I just start, okay, getting up when the breakfast comes, eat the breakfast, exercise, read a book for an hour, and then yeah, after this break, yeah, things. just committing to the schedule. So I did it for a week. So after I did it for a week, I was like, okay, I know I can do it for a month. And I just start replacing my bad habits with some new habits. So that really helped out. That's the only way I feel like you're going to beat temptation because you got to replace it because temptation is going to come, but you got to, you got to give something that's equally, yeah, equally to be able to to break break through it absolutely yeah, another I mean, opportunity yeah i i can relate to that because to be honest i didn't really have much discipline until a couple years ago mm. and what changed for me was i took the route of not trying of like i'm go with the flow i do yeah, whatever whatever happens i deal with yeah. it right i got you. and then i drove myself into the ground I, I didn't care enough about things until I got to a place where I was like, what have I done? You know, I'm not the person I want to be. I don't have any of the things that I want. I'm barely meeting my needs. You know, like I feel like I'm dying right now. And that's where the not trying life took me, took me here, right? So I was in that rock bottom place of like reflection you know, damn, what did I do to get here? And that's when I made that choice. I said, I can continue doing the I'm not going to try route and make my life worse. Or I can do the one where I try. And I haven't tried that yet. You know, like I was always too scared to try hard and fail because I didn't want people to think that I was trying when I was bad at something. Right. So it's easy, like, let's that say... That makes sense. Right? Like, you join a basketball team, you're not doing that good, and people ask you, like, damn, you averaging four points a game. Like, what's up? The easy answer yeah, is, trying. I don't even care about basketball. Yeah. I just do this for fun. But right? deep down inside, you're really you trying. It, right? And so, like, reaching that point where I was like, screw it. I'm just going to try. If I fail, I fail, but I'm going to keep trying. Because that's a life that's more fulfilling, man. If you don't try, you're not going to reach any of your goals or make any of your dreams yeah, yeah. come true. You're going to live this boring, like, unimportant life. And for me, that matters a lot. I'm trying to do something with this, like, one life that we have, you know? Yeah, we only get one of these, man. We don't get, we don't get two or three. <laughs> we only get one. Right? got to make it count. And I love when people are like, well, yeah, but what about reincarnation? I'm like, listen, bro, I might reincarnate as, like, a leaf. And I'm right. going to try to take advantage different. of a person. See, like, it's different when, like, okay, you know how people say these things. But, okay, you hear these things. And I'm not saying it's not true. But, see, this right here, we can see this. We can feel this. Like, you know this is real. I can knock on your knee. You right. know I'm right here. Yeah. So right. it's like, will you be reincarnated and things <laughs> of that nature? It's like, you don't know where the next life is going to take you That's what I'm all. saying. You might be a cockroach, yeah. bro. Like, I don't, I'm not risking it. I got this life on me. I'm going to make you. Yeah. You um, can feel this, see this, hear this. <laughs> like, this is a real to get. <laughs> That's, all right. I got a question that I think is a good one. What do you think the hardest part of being at Eastman was? Hmm. What you mean the hardest part? I kind of left it vague on purpose, so you can okay. answer it however you want. I think 
think the hardest part is the environment. Yeah. Not because like you have to defend yourself or fight. It's because like okay, the environment, right? You know how some people get in situations and it'd be like either I'm gonna try to do better and change, or either I'm just gonna make up my mind and this is what I'm doing and I'm not gonna change. Because once a man make it make make his choice, he's gonna stick with it. That's his decision. Yeah. So when you're in um not so good predicaments or situations, it make you 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 have to make a choice. A man ain't gonna be indecisive for too long. Yeah. He's gonna make a choice and then he's gonna go with his move. So you're in predicaments like that, is it's kinda hard for you to change because you have all this negativity around yeah. around you. So it's like eventually that negativity start to take it's like you lose your soul. Mm. So you lose the motive to do good or do better because all you know is what's going on yeah. around you for a long period of time. Dang. That's deep. I never really thought about like yeah. the collective energy of it all. Yeah, that's a lot. Because you're around those people, you can't get away from them. Not like you all. know, like when you're in a negative space now, you can remove yourself from the situation. Yeah. But there, where are you gonna go? You ain't really got too many things to cope with. Yeah. Do you think that the program coming in helped that environment, or did yes. it? Yes, know? indeed. Because they gave <laughs> us, they gave us. Um, Pop gave, gave us a different perspective. It gave us opportunities when we get out, yeah. people you can call on, people you can trust. Um, it gives you away from that negative energy for an hour, yeah. and that hour is a positive energy. So once that positive energy is instilled into you, it kind of linger on. Mm -hmm. So if you get 16 kids with a whole bunch of positive energy, and they got a whole 30 other kids with negative energy, this 16 energy might be able to clear some out that negative that negative energy. Absolutely. You get what I'm saying? So it kind of just changed the the vibe, right? Yeah, that that really matters. That's in the atmosphere. Awesome, and I think I think that's why it's so important just to like be a light in this chaotic yeah. dark world um, and spread positivity because I I just think it's so important. Like there's so much negative energy right. there's people stressed there's people dealing with things and it's not it things that like sense. they chose you yeah. know it's just like there is this darkness and that's you know obviously I can always do better at yeah. it but I try to live my life from a perspective of like no matter what experience I'm about to go into or situation I try to be the most positive energy that I can be just because you never know how you're going to affect someone else. You know, when you walk into a room and you're, like you say, you're slouched, yeah. you're, you're down, you're not talking much, it's, it's infectious. You know, other people feel that and they feed off of it. So it's like when I walk into a room and my shoulders are back, I'm open arms, I'm happy, we chopping it up, I'm smiling, those people they get fed that energy and they, they leave with it. You know, you they go yeah. on their day and they're they're at least happy for that moment. And I feel like that, that really helps. Because if you really man. think about it, when you're incarcerated, you're already bored. There's, not, there's nothing really too much you can do right. besides watch TV and get on the phone. Unless you want to read a book. Those three options. But you got that. You got those three options every day, every day. And eventually it gets boring, it gets tired. So if you ain't got nothing else to do, and you ain't got nothing but time to think, all those, ne like, that negativity and those demons just gonna keep hunting you 
and right. get in your head. And right. if you're out in a unit all day, you don't have nothing positive to really just come inside the atmosphere besides the phone. Yeah. But that's kind of different from really hearing something or hearing positive stuff instead of seeing positive stuff and feeling it. Absolutely. That's, that's Do you think, um, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about Eastman and, you know, obviously my dad is my dad, so I, I got the inside yeah. scoop. But would you say Eastman is like as tough as, you know, a prison environment? I've heard of a lot of these like cupcake youth detention centers, but my dad said that Eastman was like the same level of like maximum security kind of places yeah. you've been in. See. See, so we have juvenile youth detention center prison and real prison. See, me, I'm more kind of advanced. So the juvenile, see, it's all about how you look at it, though. Like, it's bad, you know, because, like, in juvenile, that's, that's um, five stars. Yeah. So that that's the worst of the worst. That's the yeah. maximum. It's like but, GTA five stars. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you really think about it, then, yes, it, it is the worst. But I started changing my perspective. You got to think. We eat three times a day. We get cupcakes, we get juices, we get to go to the gym, we yeah. get to go down there with Kent for a little minute. We probably yeah. still got a game system. You get TV, um, you get a shower, you get you get what you need. So yeah. I mean, some in that situation that might be better for some people that's on the street that don't have clothes to wear. So it all just depends on what you went through and how you look at the situation. Because in Absolutely, the big jail, man. you don't you don't get those type of stuff. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, man. it just depends. In juvenile, for, for a juvenile, though, at a young age, 14, 15, 16, or your juvenile years, that's going to be kind of hard on you because you never experienced nothing like Absolutely. that because you're so young. Yeah. But as time get older, you really look at it as a blessing. That's such an awesome perspective, man, because it's easy to not be grateful. Yeah. You know, it's right. easy to get down. But once you start thinking of the things that you do right. have, you're changing your whole brain. So how you look at um, I do kind of want to wrap up a little bit. I think this has been awesome. Yeah. But um, if you have advice, I mean, there's a lot of kids, especially that, you know, we come in contact with in this line of work. Um, and, you know, it's a wild world. It's a crazy place, man. Like these, a lot of people think that these stories are like just news articles and like clickbait headlines. Um, people not really... You know, people yeah. not really in gangs, people not really, you know, doing all this violence. Like, that's all, that's that's outside. But it's not. It's real, you know, and, and we deal with this every single day. So I want to get your advice for someone that's, you know, maybe about to go to a place like Eastman mm -hmm. and um, how they should deal with that, you know, mentally and, and what they should prepare for. Hmm. I'll say, if you're going to Eastman or a juvenile or prison or anything of that nature, I'll say what you have to prepare for is going to be mentally. Like, your mind is everything. So, you have to mentally be prepared for anything. Like, you have to prepare yourself for anything that may come. Like, if, you, if you're doing what you're doing and you get locked up or... Any, any consequences or anything that you do has a consequence. So if you get put in that predicament, you have to respect and understand every asset that comes with the things that you do because yeah. you have choices and decisions. So you have to be mindful. So when you make those type of choices, you get put in those predicaments. 
you can't control what happens to you. When you get behind that cell, you can't control when you want to come out, when you want to shower, when you want to do this. Your freedom is took. So you gotta just, you gotta just make better decisions. But if you don't make better decisions and you go on that route, just be mindful of your lifestyle because people are able to treat you any type of way when you get in those positions. Yeah. That's good, man. I say, uh, that was a banger podcast. We pretty maybe yeah. we should get Kit off of this. Yeah, yeah, we should we should go and get him. <laughs> we out don't of really here. need him, I don't think. <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys for listening. This is the Power Peace Podcast. Um, we're gonna keep doing this every Monday at 1 p.m. Comes out. Um, you know, like, subscribe, and share. I would really say that if you find something valuable in this, um, send it, forward it to someone who might need this, and. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. One love. Peace out. Peace.